Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Our Gospel lesson is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Listen again for the word of God. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. When I was in seminary, I became very interested in the idea of intentional Christian community. People of faith who shared housing and resources and had a common ministry. I did a paper studying three well-established Christian communities that all focused on some sort of justice-oriented ministry. I found it a very appealing idea to live, work, and minister in community. Then I tried it and learned just how challenging it is. My first attempt was living in a communal house run by some Roman Catholic priests in Rhode Island the summer after I graduated from seminary and was doing CPE, clinical pastoral education. When I first met with my CPE group, a few of them raised their eyebrows and said, really, when I told them where I was living for the summer. Apparently, it had a reputation. I did not last even a week before I moved out to share a house with another woman in the program who had quickly become a friend. Living in a big house with priests and a few other people you have almost nothing in common with and rarely see was not the idea of community I had been expecting. Then, several years later, I spent a year working with the Iona community on the island of Iona in Scotland the year before I moved to New York City. 
I had studied, written about, and visited the Iona community and was longing to be a part of it. I often tell people that it was an amazing once-in-a-lifetime experience in many ways and one of the most challenging years of my life. Living in intentional community is very hard work. Sometimes, even now, I find myself thinking how nice it would be just to go live in a monastery, have life pared down to regular times of prayer and work and long periods of silence. Then I remind myself that a monastery will have all the other challenges that any other community has. Part of what fueled my dreams of this kind of community is today's passage from Acts. I imagine for many people, this description of the life of the early followers of Jesus is not at all appealing. But to me, even after some challenging experiences of community and with decades of life experience behind me since those seminary days, this still sounds like a way of life I would love living with people joined in the same ministry, all following the newly risen Christ, filled with the Spirit, teaching, enjoying fellowship, sharing meals, praying together, having all our resources in common so everyone has what they need. I would love for the world to be like that. If only people, with all their humanness, with their differing ways of doing things, their jockeying for position, their habits that drive you crazy, and their different likes and dislikes didn't get in the way. When we look at this passage from Acts, it does seem idealistic, especially the part about having all things in common and everyone selling their possessions and goods and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's just not going to happen. I have a daughter to put through college. I can't give away everything. And retirement isn't that far down the road. People just don't live like this. We don't have everything in common. We don't share all our resources. And besides, if we all sold everything we had and distributed it, then what? We'd become dependent ourselves. If we're honest with ourselves, when we read this passage, it probably makes us a little defensive. We are quick to write it off as idealistic. The United Methodist professor retired theologian and bishop William Willimon wrote this about this passage in his commentary on Acts. Later commentators seem intent on showing such claims to be an idealized and romanticized creation of the later church. Of course, this description of the early followers' common life is not going to be our blueprint for our church. But neither can we simply write it off as being idealistic. We may not follow it measure for measure, as a contractor would follow a blueprint, but it does describe what life as a church, as the body of Christ, is all about. This description of the church is not just pie in the sky. 
Willimon goes on to write about the commentators who are intent on claiming that this is just an idealized and romantic description of the early church. Their interpretations testify more to the loss of the church's confidence in the ability of the resurrection faith to overturn all material and social arrangements. The commonality of goods is set forth as concrete testimony that something unsettling, specific, and substantial has happened to these people. Something unsettling, specific, and substantial. Yes, they had experienced the appearances of the risen Christ. They saw Jesus ascend into heaven, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them with a mighty wind and his tongues of fire resting on their heads. The power of the resurrection and of being filled with the Holy Spirit overturned their lives, completely changed the way they'd been living, brought them together in the most powerful way to live this common life full of awe and wonders and miracles and sharing in fellowship and taking care of one another. Let's not just write this off as idealistic. Let's wrestle with it. It does give us a blueprint. Maybe not literal, detailed instructions, but the principles by which we are to build our life together, the foundation upon which we are to build our community of faith. This world needs us to be the kind of powerful, spirit-filled church described here in Acts. We read that the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. These are foundational to any community of faith. Let's take them one by one. Teaching. How can we continue to grow in faith if we are not always learning, engaging in Bible study, discerning how God's Word speaks to us today in our ever-changing world, wrestling with what it means to live faithfully in this world? I think of the 8 to 12 people who met every Sunday at 5 p.m. by Zoom for more than two years, reading and discussing challenging books on racism and anti-racism. That discussion group led to the establishment by the session of the Racial Justice Task Force, and now the creation of the Justice Discipleship Course that starts this afternoon. To be actively and faithfully engaged as the body of Christ in this world, we cannot stop teaching and learning and wrestling with scripture and with what it means to live out the faith. Next, we read that they devoted themselves to fellowship. This sense of community that Luke describes here in Acts is more than our fellowship events. Those early followers had a common life. Acts tells us they were together and had all things in common. How do we translate that to our community? Another commentator describes it this way. A fellowship of believers shares more than common beliefs and core values. 
they display a profound regard for one another's spiritual and physical well-being as a community of friends. This kind of fellowship means caring for one another, upholding each other, creating the kind of community that produces wonders and signs, a community that can make a positive difference in the world beyond it because it is tied together in fellowship. Third, they broke bread. Eating together is another sign of unity. Barriers are broken when people come together to share a meal. Think of all the times that Jesus ate meals with people in the Gospel of Luke. Often people he was not supposed to be eating with, tax collectors and sinners. He broke through society's barriers by sharing meals with people from all walks of life and all strata of society. And now the early church is doing the same, breaking bread together as a sign of unity and fellowship. We have a new volunteer opportunity for just such a practice on Wednesdays, an opportunity to help serve a noon meal at the Chance for Change program that operates out of the community services room downstairs, and then sit down to share that meal with the clients. In the days of our overnight shelter, volunteers would talk about their meaningful interactions with the guests over the sandwiches and simple food they would share after the guests arrived. And of course, we have the Thursday evening open table ministry where dozens of people are served a meal. There have been so many people coming lately to partake of that meal that our sharing in it might take a meal away from someone who needs it. But even if we aren't sitting down at the table together, the open table still provides an opportunity for interaction and fellowship with people we would not otherwise be engaged with. Fourth, the early church devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer is how we communicate with and strengthen our relationship with God. And praying for each other strengthens our fellowship. Prayer tethers us to God, calls us back to that relationship that is our whole reason for being, as individuals and as a community. We begin and end every meeting at MAPC in prayer. We pray throughout our worship service. We have a prayer list full of people that several members of our congregation pray for throughout the week. Strengthening our prayer life, the life of the Spirit, is the fourth pillar of this foundation Acts gives us for being a church. The following verses elaborate on what it means to share in the common life, and that's where we have the most challenging description of their fellowship that they had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and distributed the proceeds to everyone according to their need. What does that mean for those of us who are not about to follow that specific example? We may never go to this extreme, but this example of the early Christian community speaks to the heart of our relationship with our material resources and our understanding 
of stewardship. Everything we have is God's. Yes, we have to care for ourselves and our families, but how do we live with an understanding that we are but stewards of our resources? That God calls us to use what we have to serve God and our community and our world? Can we reorient our relationship to wealth to approach it as a resource meant to serve the common good, to ensure that everyone has what they need? Can we be a community that commits itself to working for everyone to have enough? We're on the brink of a new start here at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our new senior pastor, Aaron Janklo, begins his ministry with us tomorrow. Let's carry this vision, this blueprint of the early Christian community with us into this new beginning. We don't have to start from scratch. We have a strong foundation of teaching, fellowship, breaking bread and prayer to build on. But let's recommit to that foundation afresh. Strengthening those aspects of our community will allow us to be an even more effective and powerful witness to the love of Christ beyond these walls. This fourfold foundation is what enables us to go out into the world. We are not meant to exist just for ourselves. We are called to be the body of Christ in the world. Strengthening our community will help us be faithful to that call, will enable us to do many signs and wonders as the early apostles did. Signs and wonders that change lives, that bring life and hope to a world that seems bent on destruction. May it be so. Amen.